Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, I'm going to be talking about feminine energy, which is a concept um, that I see on a lot of social media um, posts and videos by coaches, uh, female coaches that are telling women how to have more feminine energy and therefore achieve your goals. We will talk about this and the limitations of this concept and what you may be able to get from it. Uh, Before that, please do subscribe. I have lots and lots of subscriber episodes, about 20, 25% of them. And um, most recently about why your parents' uh, dysfunctionality may affect you, especially if you only recognize they were dysfunctional later in life. All right. And so, uh, what am I saying? (laughs) These intros always, always catch me off guard, even though I do them every single time. Then I got to segue into the uh, reality of what we're talking about. Okay. So what's feminine energy? So if you listen to social media coaches and a lot of these people come up in my feed, if you do anything about relationships, you post a lot about relationships and marriage, then of course, you know, the algorithm gets you a lot of uh, people that are also talking about relationships. So a lot of these are women who are basically saying, here's how you become a high value woman that's going to attract a high value man. And you attract, and you could Google these terms yourself. They're real interesting. You could go down a lot of rabbit holes for any sociology buffs. I mean, the discourse surrounding relationships and male versus female roles in relationships is super interesting, how things change, how things stay the same over different, you know, decades and eras, etc. So um, a lot of these women are saying that a high value man is no shock, going to be wealthy, ambitious, Uh, They don't really say good looking, but some of them do. The more romantic ones say good looking. But some of them are outright saying, listen, it's easier to marry a rich man than a poor man, (laughs) which is an old uh, uh, saying that, you know, from many generations ago. And so here's how you attract a wealthy man. And you do it by being feminine, attractive, loving, affectionate, all these different things. This is no big shock that there is a dating marketplace, but most people you know, don't, that don't follow these kind of people are unaware that this stuff would be said so directly. But in reality, it's the same thing as the actual dating marketplace. Obviously, men have more money, do better. Women who are more attractive do better. Does this in any way mean that there are men who don't have money that don't do well with women? Of course. <laughs> That's like like so many of the women that uh, are my clients date men who make less money than them. And uh, so this is not a, a uniform sort of thing. And plenty of guys who are between jobs all the time and have all manner of addictive problems and who are generally pretty big assholes, they, you know, go through women like a hot knife through butter. So obviously this is not uh, the only way that the world operates. 
operate. And and in fact, these uh, dating coaches are addressing many women who have had these previous relationships in which they were the one doing truly everything and the guy wasn't doing much, you know, because he either wasn't that invested, he didn't have the capability, etc. So these are more, so, so these women are addressing more of the women that I address in the podcasts like when men never take care of you. So they're, it's basically like recovering people pleasers, women that previously thought that their role was to be the workhorse who does everything uh, for the sake of love. And now they're like, screw this shit. I want a man who is more stable, who makes some money, maybe even somebody who one day um, I could stay home with kids or have that option if I wanted to, which I mean, as long as people are putting it out there, then sure, make your choice. You know, this is like when people get mad that women have specific height requirements or something on dating apps. Sure, they can have whatever requirements they want. You don't need to take it personally. You could have whatever dating requirements you want. You know, such as if you want to date only a C cup, do that. You know, if you want to date only a blonde, do that. If women only want to date a guy who's wealthy, do that. Like as long as it's not, um, as long as it's direct, you know what I mean? So when the women directly say like, I want a man only six feet and up, all right, go for it. You know, I mean, they're not, they're not doing anything wrong. You may not think that they're, you know, the deepest well of water, but you know, they're like, they're not probably, but they know what they want. So, you know, so, so what? So anyway, so these women are saying the way that you attract a high value, very masculine man, by which they mean proactive, ambitious, they frequently say entrepreneurial, um, intelligent, and then, of course, doting and caring and loving and will make a good father. What women have wanted for millennia. Um, you do this, they say, by being a, uh, a woman with a lot of feminine energy. And what they mean by this is somebody who is soft. There's this whole hashtag soft life, which just basically means kind of like, um, it reminds me so much of this book I once got from the thrift store. It was uh, Betty Cornell's Guide to Teenage Popularity. I mean, this book was great. Maybe it was from the 60s. Either way, it talked about like how to be like a sweet, girl and a good date and you know all of the courtesy that you had to have and the manners and the etiquette and how to be you know fun at like a social or something but you know and a good friend like it reminds me of that stuff you know it's it's a throwback but the more things change the more things stay the same etc and so the feminine energy is stepping back letting the man make more decisions not acting like a boss in any way and and um, not having your own um, kind of agenda, really, micro, day to day, minute to minute, but rather uh, your, your agenda is basically getting treated extremely well. And but moment to moment, you're not going to necessarily be um, focused on exactly that that he takes me to this restaurant or that restaurant or whatever like you're basically go with the flow and within the larger rubric of wanting him to treat you well so you take a step back and then you let him lead which is you know, very um, good advice for a woman that wants a leader, right? If she wants a man to make a lot of decisions and she doesn't want to make a lot of decisions and she wants to be treated in this way and, and um, cherished in a way that many people do, but also, you know, kind of protected, then yeah, sure, don't make any decisions. I mean, shit, start as you mean to go on. But the, the downside to all of this is that a lot of these women reading this stuff are young. You know, they're in their 20s. 
and they don't necessarily know how they're going to feel later on. And I'll tell you, all this stuff sounds okay and it sounds very romantic until you have children and you've, um, you, you kind of come into a different part of yourself, you mature, and then you want some kind of life um, that is not just a, quote, soft life, that may be a life where you are the boss in some way, either pragmatically, literally at work, you want to be the boss and you want to focus on your career, make a difference in whatever field you're in, and you also have to be the boss at home. You know, unless you've truly married a man that is so wealthy that, that you have like a nanny for each child and a cook and a homemaker, even if you stay home, you're definitely the CEO of home, so you're going to be making decisions there. You know, and if he comes in like um, expecting you to defer to every decision that he makes because that's the way that you started out, then that's not going to go well for the majority of women who have really any self-esteem at all because there's a very big human drive for agency to make a difference, to have an impact, to make decisions that affect your universe, whatever your universe is. So if you're starting out as somebody that's really um, deferring all major decisions decisions, this is not how you probably as a woman, as you mature, it's probably not how you're going to be, you know, and a lot of women that are drawn to this, it sounds a lot better than it is, because I see a lot of women in later life in their 40s and so forth, um, you know, in their marriages and individually, you know, still most of my clients are female. And um, they're unhappy because they didn't start as they meant to go on. You know, they they started, they weren't listening to these high value femininity women. Of course, those didn't exist then. But they were, you know, reading the magazines and listening to their mothers. And they were deferring on a lot of different things. And a lot of them have profound regrets, you know, that, that, they, that they didn't pursue their career, that they made, uh, that they're living where they don't want to live, that the guy's schedule, his work schedule takes priority over everything everything. They were deferring and deferring and deferring and thinking that that was a way to get like security and harmony. And in reality, now they feel like they missed a lot of stuff, you know, and that they should have advocated more for themselves. But the the reality is, and, and the sad part is some of these women turn around and blame the guy. And this is 100% wrong. I've not yet met a man, at least that has the courage to show up in my office, that says, yep, uh, we were both deciding which of us should go to grad school. And I said, can't be you because I'll leave you. You know, has to be me. That's the ultimatum. No, it doesn't go like that. Like most of it is the woman themselves saying, no, no, it's okay. You're like in this time of life where you picture having a baby sitting on a blanket in a sunbeam in your house, you know, teaching letters to your baby and like then getting up and making a pot of soup. And this sounds good, you know, to 20-year-old women. This sounds very good, 25-year-old, even 30-year-old women. It sounds good. It sounds, it's a romanticized version, this idyllic marriage of having young babies. And I've talked a lot about how women change after the young baby stage, you know, in other podcasts and posts. But this deferring, it seems really romantic and traditional and good until it doesn't. 
you know, and for most women, it doesn't. After about, I don't know, mid-30s, you start to say, wait, hold on a second. I'm smart too, you know. I want to make decisions. I want to do things in my life. Then then the, the tragic error that a lot of women make that sabotage their relationships is they go back in time and they rewrite history and they make it like the man was standing there with a whip saying, get back in the kitchen. And this wasn't happening. You know, um, I know myself, you know, when I had young babies, I was only working 10 hours a week because I wanted to, you know, that I wanted to be with them. It was very important to me to be with them. As they got older, you know, like I I didn't, uh, as they're in school and stuff, I wanted to build my career. Now, if you are still, if you get to that stage and you have been, you know, inundated with all of these ideas about how you should be more traditional and you should defer to the man and you should be this feminine, soft energy that doesn't really, you know, push on anything, then, you know, you may miss that window, right? And then the kids get older and they get older and then they're all in school, then they're all in middle school and then they they start to go to high school and you're like, what the fuck? Like, when do I get to focus on me? I guess I never did because I was always trying to kind of create this role that maybe is a fiction, you know, because all people have both sorts of energy. You know, they have the boss energy and they have the passive, you know, uh, laid back energy. Both All people have both of those masculine and feminine energies within themselves. And in fact, there's a, a construct called psychological androgyny, meaning that over time, especially in the 40s and beyond, people start to access both sides of their character in that way more readily, such that men become more caretakers and women become more uh, bosses, really, you know, in, in whatever sense that means. So, you know, if you are somebody who idealizes this kind of whole like soft feminine energy thing, understand that for uh, 99% of women, that's not the sum total of their character. And trying to put yourself into a mold where you idealize one half of yourself and devalue the other is not a recipe for lasting happiness or fulfillment throughout your lifespan. So ideally, you would not lead as though you are somebody who would like to endlessly defer to the big smart man if you may even have a little percent of your brain that says, I don't know how this feels, you know, this feels a little bit like I'm um, faking, you know, because you don't want to fake, you don't want to be inauthentic. And my fear is that a lot of the women that are embracing this more classic, soft, feminine energy thing are in reality squelching other parts of their personality that are not so convenient and don't fit well into this rubric because because, you know, this rubric is, is, is necessarily simplified, as is anything that is going to be espoused on social media. You have shortcuts. So they don't say, you know, you know, have soft and feminine energy unless, of course, something's really important to you and you become passionate about it and then you could be a boss. No, they don't say that. They just say the first part. So there's a lot of women trying to stuff their entire personality into this ideology of being like this soft, feminine, conventional. Another hashtag is trad wife, traditional 
wife. And a lot of these women, as the kids age out of being like these cute little babies, and also if they hit, you know, a different stage like postpartum depression, which is really prevalent, then it's like you're trying to fit your character, your your whole self into this character or this persona, and it doesn't work. It's not the entirety of you. And guess what? Also, the man doesn't want to make all the decisions, you know? He really doesn't. It kind of makes him into a caricature and you into a caricature. You know, guys who are in that situation that have wives that look up to them very much for all decisions frequently come in and they're like, why am I the only one who understands how money works? I don't get it. Why am I the only one that knows that we need a budget? Why can't I talk to her about anything? She never wants to talk about anything. And it's interesting. I see on social media like these... um, little videos, it's like what my brain does when my husband talks about finances. And it's like, you know, it's like some sort of funny thing that indicates that her brain is just running around, you know, not even paying attention while her husband is like, blah, blah, blah about finances. But who wins in that situation? It's kind of a a caricature of both of them. It makes him into this staid, unfun, buzzkill, you know, and her into this like little like you know, flaky, ditzy kind of person. Like, I I think that most people after the age of, you know, the 20s, maybe early 30s, would like a relationship in which they sit down and discuss the money in the house as a team. You know, that is what the majority of men and women want. I've never yet had a man come into my office and say, you know what the best part of our relationship is? I make all the decisions unilaterally. In fact, when that happens, they say, I don't know why she's not interested. I don't don't know why I can't talk to her about anything. I think she has low self-esteem. You know, she just gets scared of these topics. I try to bring it up. I don't like to be the only person making decisions. It's scary. You know, I, I have all of our money and I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, that that she wants because she won't tell me. And I want to do stuff that both of us want. So nobody really wants to be in such a caricatured uh, dynamic where male-female energy is split so radically and dichotomously past, you know, an early, early stage of life. So it's something to think about. And it's something to look back at if you're older now and you realize that this does characterize an earlier stage of your courtship. You know, you also have to recognize it would be interesting to introspect about what has changed and whether your relationship needs to be kind of reconfigured and the dynamic needs to be interrogated based on the fact that you've both evolved and grown and possibly don't fit so neatly into these boxes that you once wanted to fit so much into because it was this idyllic view of male-female relationships, which is something, you know, I mean, young people respond to black and white conceptualizations. Teenagers are the most black and white thinkers there are. And people in their young 20s are not that dissimilar from teenagers. So anyway, um, these are lots of cool things for you to research on the internet. I love sociology as much as psychology. And hopefully you got something interesting out of this that you could think about that informs your own situation. Please do follow me on all social media. Uh, TikTok, I just uh, got to 2,000-something followers, so that's great. And um, I will talk to you all soon. Have a great day.